And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Women's Basketball on the Run, where we don't talk about Bruno, but we do talk everything NEC Women's Basketball. And we are well on the road to the 2022 NEC Women's Basketball Championship. One of our nine eligible teams are currently less than one month away from punching their ticket to the big dance. Coming up on today's show, we will recap week seven of NEC action, give you the up-to-date NEC playoff picture. We'll shine some light on our three stars of the week breakdown, the most improved in the league this year. And we'll look ahead to this upcoming weekend slate, including our big ESPN plus TV broadcast on Saturday afternoon in Hackensack. Plus we'll chat with former sacred heart pioneer and the newest member of our NEC women's basketball broadcast family, Tykira Carter. But first it's time for the week seven NEC women's basketball headlines. A little over 10 months removed from playing for all the marbles, the Week 7 action got started in Emmitsburg, Maryland on Thursday night with Mount St. Mary's welcoming in Wagner for a 2021 NEC Championship game rematch. And after scoring only 33 points in that entire championship game against Mount back in March, Wagner came off the bus on fire this time around putting up 25 points in the first 10 minutes, shooting 64% in the first quarter. But that would not last. Coach Antoine White and the Mount would make their adjustments, rolling out a zone defensive look for the first time all season. And it worked. The Seahawks only were able to muster three points on one for 12 shooting over the second 10 minutes. In fact, Mount had a 14-0 run going on throughout the entire second quarter, and they would have shut out the Seahawks completely in the second quarter if not for an Amelia Cristagrava three right before intermission. Now, both teams would have their runs in the second half, and ultimately it would come down to the last possession with Mount up two and with the basketball under 20 seconds to go. Kendall Brzee would miss a 12-foot jumper in the lane with the shot clock winding down. Wagner would rebound, push the ball up the court, get it to Z Thibel, who tried a little crossover move on Brzee, and Brzee came and blocked it from behind. Kendall Brzee with the defensive play, one of the biggest plays of the entire weekend to keep Mount up. Now, Lena Losinese had a shot with a three at the buzzer to win it, but it fell off the rim and the Mount came away with the 53 to 51 victory to move into sole possession of third place in the Northeast conference. EKG led all scores with 19 points and Brzee filled up the stat sheet, leading the Mount with 12 points, eight rebounds, four assists, three blocks, including the crucial one in the final seconds. Then on Friday night, the top of the NEC standings would be in the spotlight as first place FDU put their eight-game win streak on the line in Loretto at St. Francis U. And at the same time, the second place St. Francis Brooklyn Terriers were taking on the LIU Sharks in the 29th annual Battle of Brooklyn. First in Loretto, the Red Flash were back at home at DeGaulle Arena for the first time in almost two weeks, and they were in firm control from the jump. The Red Flash burst, burst out to an 8-0 lead and methodically were able to build themselves a sizable cushion. They would go on to win it 70-56. to 56. For the Flash, it matched their highest scoring game of the year. It was the fourth time all season that they've hit exactly 70 points. And now they're 4-0 when they hit the big 7-0. 
Lily Benzel led the way with 19, and Jada DePaul had a monster game with 13 points and 16 rebounds. For the Knights, it was just their second NEC defeat all season. Meanwhile, in Brooklyn, Borough bragging rights were on the line as the Terriers took on the Sharks. St. Francis Brooklyn was playing without two-time Battle of Brooklyn MVP Neb Dimitrievich, who got banged up at the end of the Sacred Heart game the weekend prior. In this one, the game was tied at 73 with 100 seconds to go. Fru Horvath put the Terriers up two with a bucket in the lane. Brandy Thomas then missed a jumper on the other end for the Sharks. Bella Posset made a free throw to put St. Francis Brooklyn up three. LIU would have a costly turnover, and the Terriers would go on to make their free throws down the stretch and secure the 82-73 to win, winning the Battle of Brooklyn for a sixth straight year and for the ninth time in the last 10. As far as the Brooklyn bragging rights go, this past decade has definitely belonged to the Terriers. Isabella Posset had 22 points and seven rebounds on seven for 13 shooting and five for eight from behind the arc. Alyssa Fisher followed with 18 points of her own. Posset and Fisher were named co-MVPs, so I guess they'll cut the trophy in half or figure out some sort of schedule or borrowing plan. Bella gets it for a month and Fisher for the next month, or I'm sure they'll figure something out with that. Now, last week in Stats Amazing, we talked about whether or not home court advantage HCA was even a thing anymore as road teams were enjoying quite the success this year in NEC gyms. However, this past week, home teams were a perfect five for five. So the race for home court advantage in the playoffs, a top four seed, the number eight seed, and even the regular season title certainly loom large going forward. Right now, let's check out the NEC standings and where they stand. With the Knights' loss on Friday, plus the Terriers' win in the Battle of Brooklyn, St. Francis Brooklyn cuts the margin between first and second place to just two games. The Knights are up two over the Terriers, plus they have the head-to-head tiebreaker with just five games to go in the regular season. Now, if FDU wins out this weekend, they would secure at least a first-round home playoff game, their first since the 2020 quarters at Stratus Arena against this weekend's opponent, the Bryant Bulldogs. They could clinch even sooner if they get some outside help. Now, speaking about outside help, they could even wrap up the regular season championship by the end of the weekend and the home court throughout the postseason that goes with it if they win and get some outside help. So we'll see what happens at the top of the standings by the time we get together again next week. A reminder that eight out of the last 10 completed tournaments have been won by the number one seed. Now, Mount St. Mary's defeated Wagner on Thursday to take over sole possession of third place. They're one game back of the Terriers, who they'll play head-to-head this weekend. Wagner and St. Francis are both seven and six. Wagner has the head-to-head advantage over the Red Flash. They swept them in both meetings this season. Merrimack follows at six and seven. Bryant and LIU are tied at five and eight. LIU at the moment holds the head-to-head tiebreaker advantage by winning the first meeting. They'll play again in the regular season finale. Now, Sacred Heart, they have dropped their last seven in a row. They are just one game better than interstate rival Central Connecticut State. So our playoff matchups, if the season ended today, would feature top-seeded FDU hosting either Sacred Heart or Central Connecticut, number two St. Francis Brooklyn against number seven Bryant, 
The three seed would be Mount St. Mary's against the six seeded LIU Sharks. And the four five matchup would have the Wagner Seahawks hosting the Red Flash for a second straight season. Of course, everybody eligible is already in it to win it. RSVPs are already in for NEC 2022. Now it's all about seeding and positioning as we go forward with just five regular season games remaining. Time now to crown our three stars of the week for NEC week number seven. Let's start with number three and our special guest from last week's show, the reigning, defending NEC Women's Basketball Player of the Year, Kendall Brzee. It was the standalone Thursday game, and it was the game that had perhaps the biggest stakes. Sole possession of third place on the line, Mount and Wagner and Kendall Brzee came through in just about every area of the stat sheet. Now, it wasn't her best shooting game. In fact, she missed every shot she took in the fourth quarter. But great players find a way to make an impact and lead their team to victory. And she did exactly that. She had a couple of key assists, including finding Jessica Tomasetti for a three ball nearly midway through the fourth, and then hitting Isabella Hunt for a bucket to put Mount up six in the final two minutes. And of course, we already mentioned the block in the final seconds, perhaps the play of the week. So Brzee, 12 points, eight rebounds, four assists, three blocks, little smorgasbord of everything. And she claims the number three star of the week. Our number two star is Nicole Gallagher from the Bryant Bulldogs. Bryant claimed a key victory this week over Sacred Heart and Gallagher led the way with 18 points and seven rebounds on six for 10 shooting going four for five from three-point land. Now, we've said over the last few years, the Bryant Bulldogs have been a three-point shooter away, perhaps, and this year they have shown tremendous improvement from behind the arc. As a team, they currently stand second in the league in three-point field goal percentage, and Gallagher is certainly doing her part. We mentioned four for five in the game against Sacred Heart, and she's a 40% three-point shooter overall in league play. Nicole Gallagher, big weekend this week, lighting things up against the Pioneers, our number two star of the week. And our top star, Isabella Possett from St. Francis, Brooklyn, tying a career high with 22 points in a trophy game, taking home the Battle of Brooklyn co-MVP award in the Terriers' 82-73 win over LIU. Possett was our guest here on NEC Women's Basketball on the run earlier this year, and she told us, that she's just going out there doing whatever the team needs her to do to win games. And with Nev Dmitrievich out against the Sharks this past week, the Terriers really need everybody to step up. And Bella did her part in the scoring column with five triples. She also had seven boards, a couple of steals. She takes home co-MVP in her first taste of the Battle of Brooklyn rivalry. And the junior guard also takes home our number one star of the week for week number seven. Saturday afternoon on ESPN Plus, the Bryant Bulldogs will be traveling down here to Jersey to take on the FDU Knights. And joining me on the call for that broadcast will be my guest here today on NEC Women's Basketball on the Run, former Sacred Heart Pioneer student athlete, Takira Carter. Takira, welcome to On the Run and welcome to the NEC Women's Basketball broadcast team. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to join On the Run as well as the NEC Women's Broadcast Basketball team. Now, we last saw you a couple of years ago. Uh, you graduated in 2018. You played for Coach Minetti and the Pioneers. Uh, what, what were some of your fondest memories from your playing days? 
man, I mean, those days were fun. At that time, we were at the top of the NEC conference and um, being able to play in a championship game on ESPNU my sophomore year was incredible, man. I'll never forget that experience being in like a packed gym. I was like, wow, who would have, who would have ever thought like the Pitt Center can have this many people in it? Um, and I think some of my more fun memories, Robert Morris, they're no longer in the conference. But when we used to battle against them, we always knew it was going to be like a good game or we'll be battling for like a top spot in the standings. And so I, I, I miss playing against them and going on the road or having them come here and really getting after it. Now, you, you played on some great teams, but we also played with some great players. You know, Candice Leatherwood, yeah. uh, Haygood, Kat Haynes, a, a great collaboration of talent there. How special was, was that group and being part of all those practices and bus rides and, you know, day in, day out? Man, it's super cool. Um, and I like to tell people about, like, my college experience. Like, I didn't always play the most, but I always knew that I had, like, an impact. I was the burst of energy for my team, being able to be uh, a leader in different ways and really embrace, like, that role when you play around such great people who can score and distribute the basketball in those times. It was amazing. Um, and getting to look up to people like um, – Adeja Williams at the time too. She was a, a in my eyes, an NEC great. Like you know the way that she really handled the rock at the point guard position. So uh, I definitely enjoyed my time here and those bus rides. I'll never forget eating at the restaurants, getting in trouble even. You know, <laughs> arriving a little late to the gym and we like, oh man, we got the stairmaster in the morning. Like you know, little things like that. You don't you don't forget when you leave school, but those are who shape you into who you are today. <laughs> Now, one thing we always like to do checking in with our alumni is, is checking what you've been up to since uh, your playing days. So since you graduated in 2018, what, what have you been up to? A lot, uh, a lot of positive and good things. It's been busy. Uh, currently a color commentator for the Westchester Knicks of the NBA G League, which has been pretty cool. Um, I've also worked for the WNBA for both the 24th and the 25th season um, as a social media producer. And it was a lot of fun doing that. We actually had um, a Sacred Heart alum who was a part of my team. She played um, lacrosse and her name is Olivia Middleman. So being able to work with somebody else who you went to school with, I'm like, wow, that's big time. Like NEC taking over the world type thing. <laughs> um, yeah, and I currently work um, social media for a company called Overtime and uh, continues to help them build their platform and their brand. But uh, my, my most lovely work I would think is being able to call games at the college level with the NEC and also with the NBA G League. That's what I enjoy to do the most. Was that always the plan? Was that something you always looked forward to maybe getting yourself into? Yeah, I think in school, I always had the mindset like, you know, of course, you you work hard, you love the game of basketball. But as a woman, you also know it's not many avenues to continue to play when it's over and so I always was like, you know, if I don't if I can't play the game anymore, what are ways that I can be around it? And, you know, I kind of stuck and found my way. Now, we're going to be on the call on Saturday afternoon, Stratus Arena, ESPN Plus. Yeah, FDU and Bryant. FDU's having a great year. Bryant is right in there battling right now in the standings. So, you know, what are some of your first impressions uh, when as we're looking ahead to that matchup on Saturday? I'm looking forward to the battle of the bigs. You got Brooke Bajelko, Madison Stanley, who has been playing some awesome basketball, like, Wow, you talk about having a, a, a senior season where you're really putting the team on your back and FDU is having one of the best conference seasons that they've had in the history of the program. 
So it's been a lot of fun, like watching those two teams and follow them. You always know Mary Burke, she's going to come with the feistiness and she's going to mm-hmm. have her team play. It doesn't matter what the score is. Bryant will always play hard. And so I think when you put those two mixtures together, FDU versus Bryant, it's going to make for a good game. Oh, you have me excited right now. We started a couple more games. <laughs> no, I can't wait. But, you know, real quick while we have here, the current Sacred Heart team, uh, a little bit of a down spell right now, um, you know, having lost seven in a row. But they have some great talent on their roster. It just seems like something's missing. Something's not quite clicking there. From what you've seen firsthand, you know, on the call at these games and talking with, with Coach Minetti and some of the players, you know, can you put your finger on it? What, what's that missing ingredient this year? I think the missing ingredient for the team is really toughness. I think some of those games come down to who's going to play the hardest, who's going to be the grittiest and really get after it. And I think they do have some younger pieces on the squad who they're trying to develop more into the offense. And I think uh, some of the games that they lose, they're just not mentally into it as much. I think they have great scores out there, such as Adrian Haygood. Um, you have Sonia Smith. She can really score the basketball. But when you put all those things into one, I think what is lacking out there is who's going to be that player who, when your back's against the wall, am I going to hustle the most? Am I going to pull the team together for huddles? Little things like that add up and they they make all the difference. When you have a great squad, you also have to have a squad that is like 10 toes down for each other and has like that, you know what, I'm not going to let anybody break this or shake us type of toughness. And I think once they build that, they'll get over the hump. Well, it, it, to wrap us up here, uh, we like to do get to know, uh, get to know, uh, Ty Carter, just a little bit better. We have five quick questions for you, Ty. So first thing that pops into your head, just shout it out, all right? Okay. <laughs> all right. First question, what is your favorite TV show to binge? First thing that pops in my head, oh, uh, How to Get Away with Murder. Okay, good one. <laughs> and it's a popular choice. that has been said before. Uh, what is one thing that you just can't live without? My phone. Okay. What is, you know, uh, and I'll say this pregame superstition, it could be from back in your playing days or even now as a broadcaster getting ready for a game. Do you have any superstitions? I mean, I wouldn't say superstition, but what I really had to do before a game, my team knew I was taking a nap wherever we were. (laughs) I was going to have to lay down somewhere before the game and uh, get into it. And I also, I didn't like listening to hype music for games. I like okay. to be calm going into a game. So I listened to like slow dance and stuff like that. And everybody was like, oh, she's different. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if we went back and we took a survey of uh, all, your, your, all your former teammates, what trait or adjective do you think they would use to describe you? Ooh. <laughs> I would say funny. I was the funny one for the team. So I think they would be like, man, she, she'll crack a joke at any time. And like, she's just always playing around about something. Ser- serious when need be, but yeah, jokester. <laughs> every, every team needs one of those, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think, I think funny is the one. <laughs> and, and last question, if we had a time machine and we could send you back in time to play replay just one game, now we can't guarantee you'll win the game, but you just have an opportunity or a second chance to play in it, um, and it won't mess up the space-time continuum or anything, uh, what one game would you go back and relive? I will go back and relive the game against Robert Morris that we lost in the championship, and this time we will beat them, and I will have a ring on my finger. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be it. And you confirmed my suspicions. It, I mean, it was a great environment. It was a close game. One or two things differently, it could have gone the other way. Man, yeah, that, that was the one. That one still hurts. 
Well, Ty, thank you so much for joining us. And, and we're on the road to the 2022 NEC Women's Basketball title. And we'll be on the call together Saturday at Fairleigh Dickinson. And then we'll be seeing your pioneers in Loretto the week after. And we'll be doing playoff games as well. So I look forward to being along for the ride with you here. Takira Carter, our guest this week on On the Run. Again, thank you so much. Man, thanks so much for having me. Can't wait for this weekend. And anybody who's going to be listening, just know it'll be a fun one. Again, thank you to Takira Carter for joining us here on the show. But it's time now for Stats Amazing. And today we're talking improvements. The NEC's Most Improved Player Award is the league's newest individual honor. It was first awarded in the 2015-16 season and past honorees include Alyssa Tarsi, Kat Haynes, Juju Lawless, Rachel Niles, and last year's winner, Forever Toppin. But what do the numbers say? Who has grown the most so far this season? Let's take a closer look. Here are your top three year-to-year jumps in scoring average in the Northeast Conference. The third highest scoring jump this year is from Bryant, Mariona Planes Fortuni. She went from 3.3 points average last year as a freshman up to 9.4 points this year as a sophomore. That's a plus 6.1 point jump per game. FDU's Chloe Wilson has the second biggest jump. I mean, she had a great freshman year, 6.8 points per game last year, but she's at 13.3 now. That's a jump of six and a half points. She's the fourth leading scorer in the Northeast Conference. But the biggest scoring average jump in the entire league goes to the Merrimack Warriors, to Nisia Brown, 3.1 points per game last year as a freshman, to 10.3 this year as a sophomore. That's a 7.2 plus point per game jump. She's averaging also four rebounds better per game than she did a year ago as well. And by the way, some bonus stats to be amazed about. In the history of the Most Improved Player Award, the largest year-to-year scoring average jump to win the award, that was Kat Haynes, 8.9 points better. However, she did have an injury redshirt year in between, so it wasn't a true year-to-year jump. Last year's winner, Forever Toppin, uh, she had the biggest year-to-year, true year-to-year jump, 7.5 points from the 2020 season to the 2021 season. So at the moment, if you look at Tanisia Brown, her year-to-year scoring jump, if she does go on to win this award, she would be the second year-to-year, third all-time in the history of this award with a current 7.2 point-per-game jump. Stats amazing. Each team is back to two games on their schedule coming up this weekend. Thursday and Saturday. First, let's take a look at the Thursday slate, and there will be a big battle in Brooklyn Heights as the second place St. Francis Brooklyn Terriers take on the third place reigning champion Mount St. Mary's Mountaineers. The reigning champs just one game back in the standings of St. Francis Brooklyn. Now, the Terriers have already won the head to head meeting this year, earlier this year, by three points 62 to 59 back in early January. In Emmitsburg, Alyssa Fisher made a key steal late to help seal the win. The Terriers have been on a run. They have won nine out of their last 11 games, and they can clinch a season sweep over Mount St. Mary's for the first time since 2018. Meanwhile, Mount will be looking to force a split, get revenge for that game on their home court earlier this year, and force a tie for second place in the NEC standings. 
Then on Saturday, we're going back to the Rothman ESPN plus 2 PM, the Bryant Bulldogs and the FDU Knights, the Knights, a perfect five and zero undefeated record in NEC home games this year. Of course, they're trying to secure HCA throughout the playoffs and pending their Thursday game against Merrimack and the other league results from Thursday, a first round home game, and maybe even the regular season championship could be on the line by the time we get to Saturday afternoon. FDU's last home playoff game was a quarterfinal win in 2020 over Bryant. But Bryant is one of only two NEC teams to hand the Knights a defeat this year. Although when they met back in Rhode Island in January, neither team was at full strength. FDU just had six active players. Bryant, not that much better. They only had seven active players. And the Stars, though, this time around will be on full display, as Tykira Carter told us about earlier on. Brooke Pajelko, sixth in the league in points, third in rebounds. She had 32 points the first time these two teams played, which is still the highest individual scoring game in the league this year. And the Knights will counter with Madison Stanley, a player of the year candidate, seventh in the league in scoring fourth in rebounding. And again, with her team shorthanded, she countered with 19 points in that first meeting against the Bulldogs. She led the way for FDU. Now all games besides Saturday's ESPN plus exclusive affair is available free of charge on NEC front row and the NEC on the run app. That'll do it for this week. I'm Craig D'Amico. I'll see you on Saturday afternoon in Hackensack on ESPN plus. And we'll see you right back here as always next week for another brand new edition of NEC women's basketball on the run.